just I just remember I have this distinct memory. I don't know why my well, my parents let me do lots of things that they shouldn't have, but anyway, but they let me get this book out of the library, and I had this distinct memory of like the book sitting on the floor of my childhood bedroom and staring at the alien on on the cover and just being horrified by this like uncanny valley feeling. <laughs> <laughs> And that and that was kind That's of the, the beginning of my obsession compulsion with aliens. What was the alien? Was it like a gray? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So so it, so it, so it had like those almond eyes and like the the like the pale skin. Yeah. And I would also I would also as a child I I had sleep paralysis often. Oh yeah, I uh, had that too. Yeah. So basically, I would have waking nightmares effectively. And because I was thinking about aliens 24-7, I had multiple sleep paralysis episodes where I woke up and visualized an alien entering my bedroom and was unable to move. Oh my god. And I'm pretty sure that's what basically all alien abduction stories oh, are. It's just awful. like sleep paralysis. Oh definitely, definitely. Yeah, that shit's intense. So yeah, welcome to Basecamp Beta episode eight. <laughs> now that we're twenty minutes in, <laughs> and uh, the pizza has arrived. Today we have with us uh, myself, Sean. This is Chris, the other Chris. I'm Katie, and our special guest, Doug Lee. Hello. Also known as Ni. That's, that- that's the right way to say it. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. I was oh. just about to ask. Yeah. I've been wondering that for a long time. Yeah. What the actual pronunciation? I like how it's was, confusing. So. Chris Miller is uh, globe trotting right now, so uh, he's, he's, he's drinking he's drink- rum on the beach. He's drinking rum, and we're all very quietly jealous as we rot in New York or San Francisco. I have a question for you, Doug. Tell me your musical background before on I. I don't know. I can't even. I don't. I don't want to. I don't. I don't have the right uh, equipment to. I don't remember. <laughs> More importantly, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I. Oh, fuck, that was a this question, man. Well, you made a bunch of records under the name Lee Douglas. Yeah, yeah. So th- these are kind of like this disco stuff, and then, you know, I think, um, just kind of getting into records and all that stuff, and just being. I think you know. I don't know. I can't. I can't. Really? Music lover. Yeah. So that's this answer sucks, but it's <laughs> good, good. You were doing edits also a little later as well. Yeah. I think we were all doing kind of our own edit, but yeah, put out a couple of them. I kind of want to get back into doing edits. I keep wanting to make edits. I'm really inspired by this actually. About edits? Mm-hmm. And yeah. disco edits. And um <clears throat> it's so out of fashion that it makes me like it even more um yeah ed- edits 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 revival disco edits disco edits coming back just you're, make you're them good first. don't make them shitty <laughs> just you know? make them and good yeah <laughs> there's a there is such thing as a good disco edit i'm sorry yeah there's yeah, a yeah. lot do yeah. i have to apologize no i'm just kidding there's a i mean it's just not that big of a deal people kind of make a big deal out of like your kind of bootlegging or you're ripping somebody off and they should get paid but nobody really actually makes mo- or actually that's not true some most people don't make any money a couple some, did some some of those edits got pressed a lot but 
Which ones do you remember? I don't know. Do you mind me digging into this? I, for for me, like the like the kind of like turning point for the edits movement was when then uh, uh, what was it? Um, was it the Paluski edit of, yeah, uh, yeah. of what's it Began? called? Crying. Begin, Begin, Begin. Yes, Begin. Sorry. <clears throat> I, 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 okay. I, I happen to. Well, I like the original song, but I see why they made Not an edit. Different. Yeah, yeah. Like I, the, the, the original song. I see amazing. why they made an edit of it, and I don't mind it that much. The edit's totally good. But that was like, but that was actually released then on a major label, right? Well, not originally, right? Yeah, but it was, but they, but it was like re, it was, it was redone with, it was, like, it was redone. It was like bought by Adidas or something like that, and then, but it, but it, it was like an Adidas commercial. How did you end up going from disco to on eye? Because on eye is like some of the heaviest shit I've heard in a long time. That's the thing. It's like I don't. I guess I never, it never really, I don't really know what, I don't, it never, it wasn't really like. A gear shift? Yeah, Yeah. because we were friends then too. And we we always liked heavy shit and this kind of weird techno shit. I mean, yeah, like like, like in in New York at the time, if you were into, if you were cool and you were into like the disco stuff, because there were a lot of people who were not very cool into the disco (laughs) stuff. But if you were cool and into the disco stuff, you were also into minimal synth. And yeah. weird Italo, and you were probably into industrial, and you sure, probably okay. had been into all of these things for, you know, five or ten years at least by the you know by the time 2010, 11, 12 rolled. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's kind of how I feel how it went down. I mean all of our friends like Ron and and Veronica and all like it just kind of wasn't it wasn't really like a thing, and we were always getting like techno records and and. In the beginning, listening to Ron Hardy and stuff like that, and that shit goes pretty far. Out, yeah, that's true. You know, and so it didn't seem like it was. I was switching or something like that. It just seemed yeah. like I got bored of like writing music in a way like where you like write music. That's like like writing know, a song. Yeah, like playing. Like yeah. With and notes just, and melodies, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it just sucks, what a chore, you know. Like it was a chore. It was like, and then you just, you know, like starting to get more into like sequencers and stuff like that, and just letting it rip, letting it things happen. And yeah, yeah. I think that was the beginning of just kind of like experimenting with more, just like. So was it like spending more time, just more studio time with like like old equipment, kind of? Just, yeah, like, just, like, getting, like, not really trying to write stuff, just, like, using a sequencer, using machines, and just letting them write the music, you know? Because, yeah. like, <laughs> when you sit there, you're, like, writing, like, trying to make a cool disco bass line or some shit like that. It just never feels good. You know, like, you kind of, it's like, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really, like, laborious. I got bored it. I got bored of there's no, there's no like. Well, it's a very unit. It's, it's sort of a unidirectional approach to making music, right? Mm. Where it's like I have an idea and I'm going to actualize that idea. Right. Exactly. That's the thing. When I'm, yeah, that's as like as best as I can using the tools that I have. And uh, well, it's like, what's the, uh, the the Thomas Dolby quote about? There's the, there's a really hilarious. What's the Thomas Dolby quote? There's a really hilarious. I think you I, might be the only person that knows it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, but I love Dolby. So Thomas Dolby's amazing. Um, but no, there's 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 that great Thomas Dolby interview where he says something along the lines of like, uh, the synthesizer of the future will just know what I'm thinking in my brain mm. and it will mm. translate it instantly to the most beautiful music. Um, 
something along those lines. Yeah. Um, which is very like it, this is just very uni- again unidirectional, like 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 brain music. Yeah, but um, also rather than a kind of like you know a back and forth a dialogue between hmm. man machine. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea, Sean. That like that the uh, the 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 interface of the machine and the person is key to creating the music itself. This is really I know this for a fact. This this happens to be kind of Sean's like. Like his philosophy, like this is how he makes his music. And yeah, I mean this. Yeah, this any is... any sort of perfectionism that goes into like um, trying to make something happen in terms of songwriting, he, he has zero patience for it. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that. Um, well, now you're talking about our relationship making music together. This as well. is why we've only put out like one full length thing. Um, well, you know, I I I I totally relate to that part of like talking, having a having a conversation with the machine. I think that's fascinating. And there's really cool, like I've made really cool sounds and some really not cool sounds um, by sort of approaching it that way. Um, and the more you do it, the more you get into like a, a real conversation, you know, and then, and then you know the things to do. Um, and then you can sort of take it, take away pieces of gear and add things to it that like make it talk in a different way, you know? Um, and that's always cool. Um, I guess maybe I didn't spend enough time doing it, um, for my solo music cause that kind of was my approach. Um, and then I sort of wanted to keep doing more in terms of like developing, um, the songwriting, um, hmm. but now I feel now I now I feel like I sort of want to approach making making and recording music like a little bit differently. But I want to reserve that for different projects, you know. Um, Interesting. And have like the different projects sort of like I want to have a songwriting project, you know. I want to have like right, a, right. I want to make psychedelic police. love songs. Uh, police, police, police cover band. Inspired. Police. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm always interested by this conversation because I am categorically not a producer. I don't make music at all of any kind. And it's really interesting to me to learn that the ways that people have, the, the, like people have different, re, different kinds of relationships with their tools. Yeah. I mean, this is how I learned to make that music. relationship really comes out in the music. This is how yeah. I learned to make music because I'm not a guitarist. I'm only minimally trained vocalist. Um, I grew up playing piano and I was in band playing clarinet and oboe. So yeah, I'm not really playing that shit, but like, um, you should play more clarinet oboe for sure. Yeah. But like, you know, um, Speaking to the machines or, you know, having a conversation with the, the, the gear is definitely like how I learned to actually just make something yeah. happen, you know? I think for me, it's also like, it's just, you don't feel like you're really responsible for, for it. Like you are also kind of like a spectator in it. And then you mm-hmm. have a honest reaction to what is happening, you know? what the the things are doing you you're you know it's not like i'm fucking sitting with a acoustic guitar trying to write a fucking love song or something and like thinking of that impact i'm actually it's kind of like you're listening to a great right re- you're trying to make a great record by listening to it and experiencing right 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 experiencing <laughs> what is ha- happening in real time and your judgment isn't 
from the perspective of like writing. It's from experiencing, you know, experiencing it, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I think like like removing like removing that kind of like re- removing agency can be very liberal. Like, uh, <clears throat> let me rephrase this: removing certain kinds of agency can be very liberating. You mean in the music making process? Uh, yeah, yeah. As like as you mean, sure. you mean um, in the sense of sort of letting the machine speak for themselves, or yeah. is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, just sort of, you know, you kind of set up parameters and then you step out of the way a little bit. Um, right. Right. It's you know, it's it's, it's, it's like, a different compositional process. It's it's not it's not more or less valid than someone who wants to hand write every note. Sure. Um, but. It you know it works better for some people. You're just like you're like trying you're like discovering stuff you know in the process. You're not predetermining anything. Yeah. You know? That's a really interesting way of putting it because I think about I think about the written word in much the same way. The analogy that I like to use about writing as a practice or as an act is it's like it's like sculpting. It's like you have a brick of raw material. And then when I'm, when I sit down to write something, what I'm doing is like chipping away at this brick and I'm, I'm like actually finding the artwork underneath or this, or the thing that's worthwhile underneath. It's like a, it's like a practice of, uh, of, uh, of reducing almost. So the, 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 the big reveal here. Chris, is that you uh, let autocorrect write all your pieces for you? Is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Shit works fucking shit works wonders, man. <laughs> that is that's pretty interesting. Yeah, like how the influence of autocorrect and all this stuff like kind of affects everything. You know, like how I wonder if that's going to come into music. Is there is there is there anything like yeah, that in yeah. music production where the machines will fix your mistakes for you on the fly? Well, the like you know, like some some sequencers and stuff are all chromatic, you know, like digital mm. sequencers are chromatic, and analog sequencers aren't don't really have a scale, but I mean, I can tell the difference like you feel those kind of in between notes and stuff like that mm-hmm. well, I mean like most mm-hmm. most um most sequencers have. Well, not most, but like the, 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 a lot of sequencers have uh, like timing quantizers built in, for instance. Right, right. Sure. So you, you know, you like you play a melody into it, and it will snap to a grid to make everything right, happen exactly. at the right time. Yeah. Um. So there, there, are th- there are things as rudimentary as that. To you know, like like whatever auto tune. So then you know the next step after that, of course, is you know kind of like procedurally or algorithmically generated music, which right. Yeah, we're 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 there. That's totally happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it it happened. It happened this month with uh, um, Holly Hearn's new record. That's. I mean, what do you think about that? That's for me. That's fine. It's like I don't really think. That. I'm not going to listen to it. And uh, what I, if you do did listen to it and really liked it? I mean, if I really liked it, then whatever. That's cool. Um, but you like new Autechre, don't you, Sean? I well, I honestly, I, have, I haven't listened to the last couple Autechre records. I like Autechre pretty much always. Um, I'm not. I'm but, not. I mean, as that's cultish. what Autech has been doing. They that like they write software that writes their music for them. Yeah. Well, that's no. What I mean, like, the, like, that's pretty like cool. Procedurally generated, like like procedurally gen- generated aleatoric IDM has been a thing for almost 
20 years now. So, um, what does yeah. that mean? I never not heard to get of that too before. deep into the nerd hole here. <laughs> well, like, 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 like from like, I mean, Avex Twin was doing that in whatever, like 97, 98. Uh, Richard Devine, obviously, like the early schematic records, yeah, were you know, like, like a, a lot of early Max MSP artists were. We're doing this kind of thing where it was very, uh, <clears throat> very designed around, um, you know, programming a set of parameters, uh-huh. and then letting the algorithm do the work. Well, I mean, I think you could easily trace that lineage back to you know the I Ching, basically. You know, there's like, there's there's a real history of uh, random chance in art, and I think. A lot of also, what, I mean, not just what, random chance, but structural, structural things as well. You know, right? Structural constraints, like yeah. establishing structural constraints, and then letting a system work itself out. Yeah, I, yeah, think, I think that's like that's Steve an Reich interesting like, thing from oh. a from like a like a philosophical perspective. It's an interesting way of working. Um, yeah, like, I mean it, it. It it definitely can be. It can also be boring. Like any sure, else. sure, of course, of course, um, of course. I'd rather listen to the sting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. What what really bothers me though is when artists use these kind of when it becomes a gimmick when when the sort of production process or the constraints or the method overtakes the actual finished product. That's when I start to lose interest. Oh yeah, absolutely. And those no. and those those types of musicians and people who um, work in that format, they always get the front page of the wire and get the, <laughs> the great reviews on all the publications. You're not wrong about that. It's like, why are they doing like more important, more relevant work? What about the? Are you just like handing over a fucking diploma or something? You know what I mean? Well, like, give an, me a break. It, it's an angle. It's an angle, you know, and we all need angles to write your about PhD isn't going to make me like like music. your music more. I'm sorry, <laughs> really, honestly. Yeah, but what what about the things subtweet? What about the things that <laughs> music like? What about music? The 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 sort of what the fuck is the like uh, the kind of components of music which are universal, like four four beats and you know chords minor major chords which elicit the same kind of emotional kind of feeling like those are set things which are not necessarily like those are things that affect like the the organism you know like in the same way like all humans kind of get the same kind of feeling from right a g G minor chord does a thing to most people yeah yeah so what kind about irrespective of cultural? Uh, what about rating. that? You know, how's that? How's that? Well, I think you're right, but it's also interesting how that stuff is culturally coded because that is basically Western music tradition, and I'm I'm no expert on uh, non-Western music, but I have some friends who are Hindus, like uh, classically trained Hindustani musicians. And they tell and they've 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 told me the idiot's guide to how uh, Indian classical music works, and the ways that the scales are different, and that the that uh, the way they evoke feelings are different. And it's really interesting to think about how that cultural coding is like embedded in 
our upbringing, in our culture, and the way that we experience music. Yeah, but also I think it's it's not just cultural; it's also like biological. You know, true. Like you experience those kind of quarter notes the same as like it, for like Indian scale and stuff like that, Arabic scale when they use these kind of like semitones and stuff like that. You also get those emo the same emotions that you know. It's all like that kind of right. Weird, I see what like, you're saying. Yeah, you know, like begging. Begging is going to sound right. like a sad song to most people. Yeah, yeah. Whether so, or not Paluski edited it. <laughs> But that's kind of, I don't know, that's something to talk about. Yeah, no, it is, absolutely. Um, I didn't mean to sound too scathing on academic um, avant musicians, by the way. I mostly just don't think that that's like the interesting part of the music. And if there isn't something else to, if there isn't like an aesthetic experience that I'm wrapped up in and that I enjoy, then it to me it's just, I don't care if it's on the front page of The Wire, you know? Am I wrong? Yeah, okay, I'm the same way. I, I mean, I, I, I had a real early leader? experience. Stockhausen serves imperialism. When I listened to, I listened to uh, one of those Matmos records when I was a teenager, and they made a real big deal about how the whole thing was like sampled from their rat skeleton or something like that. Was there um, a chance to cut his chance back to, to you, Sean? I remember I bought that <laughs> CD when I worked at the record store. Yeah, and I, 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 I remember actually losing interest in the music once i learned that it was all sampled from a rat skeleton i was like i just don't care about that man right it's just not i feel like it's not hooking me but i feel like um in defense of matt most like i know they're all like academic whatever people but like their music is done well compared to i think what what is being done in that vein john santos just just showed up welcome what's up john Hi, just checking to see if the hardware is working properly. (laughs) We're talking about music and specifically we're talking about like academic music, avant music that gets put on the front page of The Wire. We're talking about the cover of Wire magazine. Who's on it? No, we we don't know. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, So to rewind uh, a bit. uh, I think we're talking about AI music, right? Yeah, we were talking about like Aleatoric music, uh, procedurally generated, procedurally generated music, um, and the sort of pros and cons, the limitations of that. Um, you know what? I think that it's just like, look, that shit is like, just, it's like, it's just, it's just, it's like, it's, it's, it's just a mathematical algorithm thing. So it's just like there's no effort in 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 it so it's like for it to exist well that's not true i mean that's not yeah i mean there's there's, there's plenty of effort i, I think yeah it's but just, it, it's it, it it's it's uh kind of god i can't think of the right things to say, i guarantee but, you matt most have spent more time programming max patches than i've spent patching my modular that's like, yeah but <laughs> also those the that stuff it is uh it compounds it's like technology like like you can always reuse those those things that's that's true that's so it always building on itself, you know, like how technology works. Yeah, but. yeah and I, I think I think kind of pulling the conversation back even further. I think it was just interesting how we were talking about 
how these relationships between musician and their machines, how that plays out in the actual in the actual product, and it and how it becomes something that like an interface, like it becomes like a give and take. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they like like with you know with with things like Macs, you can build in as much or as little kind of a user input as you want. Probably like chaos and stuff too, right? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, that. like you you can you can design whatever kind of you know control interfaces you want, uh, and yeah, you 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 can you can totally regulate the degree of again kind of user input. Um, to whatever kind of suits your compositional needs. And that's great. That's great. That's a great thing. <clears throat> um, Should we talk about some of these records that we picked? Yes. Let's do it. Yeah. Start I want to talk about House of Rafna. Yeah, why don't we start with uh, yeah, let's start, Doug's let's start track. Yeah, That that track I've been playing a lot and uh, out in the club. Yeah, and it it's how does it how does that how, how does that su- go over? super good? Um, really? Yeah, and uh, I think that's why I picked it because I've been just th- chucking it in the set and then it just creates some kind of f- hyperbolic energy. Like uh, wow, that's cool. And um, I don't know. That's it's killer killer track and it sounded great I when mean, it's, it, yeah it's a killer fucking track uh, there's Doug, no kick drum yeah there's no, no snare drum. drum yeah well there's and a weird just, crunching sound yeah that's a yeah, yeah and there's a an omnipresent bass throb that's sort of a kick drum but yeah this, it's just tension pure tension and kind of like the release doesn't really like that's the track that you have to follow it up with but like you know like it's been like i, I haven't i haven't Every every set since I've been playing, I played it at like peak time, and and it was really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I don't know. That's I guess that's why I picked it. I mean, House of Rafna to me are. We were talking about branding earlier, and like they they are ju- they are just the total package because they're they've been doing this shit for probably. Close to thirty years at this point. Uh, yeah, I was, um, I was saying it's at, at least twenty-five, right? At least twenty-five. Yeah, like I think their first single came out in like ninety-three, and their aesthetic is so dialed in from top to bottom, from the sound, the artwork, the track titles, the it just it's like everything they do is perfect, and it's it fucking freaks me out how dialed in. <laughs> and from and from day <laughs> one, do it's is. not like the like like yeah kind of right it's like they must have been years. thinking about this shit they must have been thinking about this shit from the from the get-go because their whole project their label their music it represents this like continuum that is so rare in so much I art th- that's also kind of a german thing too right we're just like this is the thing i do yeah 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 and uh what i love about that track in particular is uh it came out in like 2000 and 
2001-ish, oh, maybe really? 2003. I forget the exact date. I thought it was a more recent I bought the 7-inch when it I came out. Oh, wow. That's and uh, they have another project called November Novelet. Which is amazing, That is yeah. much more like dreamy, minimal synth, kind of dark, almost gothic pop. Yeah, it's like very musical. Totally, exactly. As a strong contrast to that really noise-forward sound of Hauserafna. But what I've found interesting about Hauserafna, as the project continued, is that they kind of merged those two sounds and more recent House Arafna stuff is even like a little bit melodic. It's more rhythmic. You can really feel the influence of the, the like the dream pop of the November Lola yeah. in their still noisy, caustic, in, like aggressive industrial sound. And I just, I just, I just love, I just love everything they do. Everything is is really, really good for me too. That's cool. I need to like dig into their um, discography. Um, I something I realized today when I was re-listening to that track after you talked about it was I'm pretty sure that in all House Arafna, so the it's a it's a duo that go by Mr. Arafna and Mrs. Arafna. And I'm pretty sure that in House Arafna all the vocals are from the man and in November Novelet all the vocals are from the oh, woman. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Feature. Feature. That's cool. I, I, I want Sean to start singing more on Further Reductions. <laughs> I'm a great vocalist. Hell yeah. He used to. When we first played our first shows, we would uh, switch off uh, singing duties. Often we would we would switch like where we are situated in the in the gear too. Like uh, I know we played a couple shows where we changed places, right? I remember doing this. I, that sounds not implausible like like you're gonna play the the 707 and the 101 and then and then i'll do the same string synths and stuff in the vocals and then we'll and then, switch over yeah we did that for one show that was really fun it definitely sounds i think that it's the one where we have a but there's a bunch of photos and it's like pink and red lights and i'm wearing a like a billowy white shirt and i have my glasses this sounds like it could be one of many shows yeah no i did but it's documented it's from like 2009 or something 2010 i swear one, I miss doing that. Kind one of more stuff. thing, one more thing that I love about that track is the way that it creates such momentum and force with no kick drum, as you mentioned. Like it's just there are so few tracks that manage to have that energy with basically, yeah. but it's still motoric. No drums. It's still it's super motoric. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, right. Like you really get the kraut thing, you know? Yeah, it's been ki- I've, uh, it's been killing in the in the club. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, Shit, it's like I'm gonna have to fucking track. try that myself. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it is an, it, it's interesting thinking about that because a kick drum would just get in the way of that track. Yeah, right, right. Like it would just it would it would interfere with that bass line. It wouldn't add any momentum. It would just it, it would make things sound like cloggy and slow. It also just kind of creates this kind of air of like. And such a kind of anticipation, which is so kind of chaotic and like, like really sort of like, I don't know, just like, uh, just like tension, pure tension, tension and just kind of like, like, yeah, like, like it's very schizophrenic and weird. Like, like when I watch you DJ, Doug, um, I get this feeling like all over your set. Like last night when we were at Weird Science, I just like got this energy like from your set the whole time. And it was so awesome. And I feel like it's just rare that people do that so well. 
You know what I mean? Like what, which, the energy what, of that like, track. Yeah. Just like that, that tension that you're talking about, like that sort of um, like letting things sort of like drop out and build and like become chaotic and schizophrenic, as you say. And like, it's, it's like, you have to know what you're doing, you know, and like well, yeah, that's, a, that's a tough act, <laughs> or not or, exactly, or not know it. yeah, or just not give a fuck, yeah. you know. I uh, think. Sh- should we talk about weird science for a second? We could, yeah. It's, Best it's, party in New York. It's, yeah, it's one of one of our favorite parties. Uh, our friends uh, Anya and Maria uh, throw the party. They're, they they do remedy along with Andreas, who does uh, rhythmic discourse, and uh, it's a, a small party at a very interesting venue. Magic um, City, you should big up them too. Big, big up to Magic City, and uh, yeah, it's it's a very open format party, which is very hard to find in New York these days. Um, which is consistently interesting bookings. Uh, the DJs are very much encouraged to play whatever they want that they can't normally play. Basically, oh right, yeah. Well, we I'm, know. I'm, I'm really happy John is here to to join me actually. When when Doug told me what time he was playing, I was really wondering about that because you know there are Sunday days in the summer have a really specific feeling in New York, yeah. but to see it used that way was a first for me. Yeah, yeah I was like, yeah. oh, it starts early and it's uh, a little outer, you know, noise dance music. Yeah, the parties the parties are are Sunday afternoon until to, early evening. Yeah, so four I think to ten. That's kind of a new form. To I mean, at yeah. least for me. Yeah, I mean, for music like that. Very much. Um, Body and soul for degenerates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, gotta, gotta tell them, gotta tell the weird science crew about that one, <laughs> oh dude. That's that's a brand um, right there. But yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a pretty special party and something that's been very much a breath of fresh air in what has otherwise been a, a you know a moderately to extremely grim uh, you know couple last couple of years in, in New York dance music. Um, so yeah, Doug played on Sunday. Uh, it was a killer set, also along with uh, Rainer, uh, Rainer Rossum, and uh, also a killer set. And Anya played. And, uh, Anya yeah, opened. I, I missed Anya's set. I feel bad. as a as a resident. Um, she's awesome always. Um, so uh, you know, I I think to speak to that just a little bit because I haven't been going out to clubs for a while now, but I've spent different pockets of the last twenty years like working in techno and um, yeah. when I was in San Francisco in the mid nineties, there were a lot of spaces that were about that size that were catering to a very experimental like sound. Yeah. And um, sure. Isn't things... like that these days, I can tell you. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but that's why when I, when I realized where I was, I thought, Oh, this is kind of a reincarnate form of like where, where people can take experimental music and apply it to like a club. Yeah, well, I mean, like, yeah. which there were there was so much of that in New York too, like from it disappeared for so long. Whatever, like I mean, when I moved here in two thousand four, I'd been going to parties in New York for several years prior. There was always a lot of that stuff, yeah. and it, I really until like I don't know two thousand eight, nine, ten, aroundabouts there, it, it feels like it kind of started. Yeah, uh, the kind of that yeah. style of weird loft yeah. out out yeah thing kind of kind of died. That's, I mean, that's kind of what me and the crew did with Surface Tension in uh, San Francisco from 2013 to 2018, basically, was we were 
uh, we were a dance club, but we very conspicuously put experimental music on sometimes in the middle of the party, uh, sometimes to great effect, sometimes to terrible effect, but we did some always cra- deliberate we, we, effect. We did some crazy Respect. shit. <laughs> well, that's also kind of what you're doing now with surface tension or sorry, well, with, uh, with, um, with, with Vic terrain. Yeah. So. But, but, but Vic terrain is different because we're playing more with tempo. So we're trying to like mix up people's expectations about what they're going to hear at a, at a dance club. So we're playing slow okay. music and then all fucking followed up with some drum and bass. Uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it's like a different way of kind of, uh, playing with people's expectations at the club. Yeah. I'm all about that actually. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. That the, the track, the, the house of Raffna track is, is a good, talking point for that too because it's it's not a traditional dance record or i don't i don't think they would ever have imagined to that would be yeah be which you'd <laughs> played in the dj track <laughs> but that's kind of like been like the my go-to you know like peak time yeah like and uh it's totally kind of like in the vein of what we're discussing like talking about right now with uh like like trying to trying to do something which is maybe like a bit not necessarily experimental but just 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 taking that that kind of energy of like like i don't know to play with expectations you mean yeah but i mean just like kind of like just like not just like like reckless abandon of Mm. all i like you know just going with with kind of like what what you feel with like, you know, like not having to adhere to any kind of like, yeah, you know, two, two, two more things real, real quick that I like about the track. One is that it, it, it manages to channel suicide in a way that doesn't sound like a suicide ripoff. Yeah. That's so true. Oh yeah. Yes. Which is so hard to There's do. There's so mm-hmm. many like d- extremely derivative, like suicide kind of like yeah, homages. Of yeah. we, we, I mean, we, we, like, I think we've all ripped off suicide very deliberately yeah. at various points in our lives. It's, 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 it's very easy to do. It's really fun. Uh, it's, you will never achieve their greatness and that's fine. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the house of Rothman track really, channels i think that same kind of like yeah the the minimalism down. Yeah, yeah uh the and and the kind of the and the kind of like desperation and kind of a mounting of tension through repetition in that same way um and the other the other thing that i like about it which is sort of uh in in the exact opposite of that point is that the track is super well recorded and mixed like it sounds very powerful on a, yeah. on a sound system yeah um well being like really fucked up and super distorted and super minimal and totally. and murky and weird it also like the track has a lot of presence on a real sound system yeah um so th- those are just two things that uh, yeah just, just kind of strike me um okay speaking of um peak time weirdo freak out zone um i want to follow i want to continue the conversation um by introducing a track that i'm really excited about or i've been excited about <laughs> since our friend alessandro big ups alessandro adriani mannequin Re-issued records it. hello um hey ali <laughs> okay it's a band um from mexico called ford proco um and i don't know which members of coil exactly maybe just sleazy or i think it's john and peter john on vocals and peter on electronics and shit with some assistance from drew 
Yeah, so um, they did this collaboration in the late 90s and it sounds like they it sounds like they took a lot of drugs together. <laughs> <laughs> really? Which is Imagine cool. that. <laughs> That's a great fucking track. Things kind of drop away, like the kick kind of drops away and it becomes this moment of hysteria, you know? And I just... Counterintuitively propulsive. Exactly. But this is a very like manic, propulsive, druggy track, you know? Um, And it goes in a lot of directions and I feel like it's very kind of like proto-UK bass or something, you know? I mean, one thing that I love about Coil among among a nearly infinite list of things is that they so effortlessly do dance music and completely non the, the polar opposite of dance music and they incorporate it they they harmonize both of those things perfectly neither one feels more authentic or true to their vision it's just a different way of expressing the same idea i fucking love that yeah i mean that was also that was also part of TG to begin with, kind sure, of. Sure, right. Yeah, I mean, that. right, that's part of the industrial ethos going back to the beginning, yeah. Body music. And I mean, that kind of, that also brings back to that House of Rafna track. It's the same kind of vibe. It's like, yeah, that's dance music without having anything to do with dance music. I guess when something becomes codified like dance music, it just enters into a different kind of thing. But the general, your initial response to like the basic tenets of like like big kick drum four four and stuff is always going to be essentially the same like like your your like your your like human body response to it is going to be well yeah getting yeah. back to the earlier conversation it's it's something that's sort of a you know it, it like in, biologically encoded to a certain degree yeah yeah exactly 40 hertz yeah. does something to the human body yeah also 44 is something interesting too because it like if you change the 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 timing then it creates a different kind of anticipation from you know like yeah 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 you know, if you do like whatever d- different, but dance music doesn't have to be four four. It doesn't, but when it when it is it when it isn't four four, it doesn't. You don't like expect the same things. It's like oh, that's right? true. And uh, I mean, like waltzes and cha cha and stuff like that. It's like you know, like it has a. It has a swing, its own swing, or however you want to. It does yeah. something different to the human body. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, Coil, Coil were certainly masters at exploring that. I I love this track because 
uh, when Alessandro reissued it, um, I had never heard of this collaboration before. And, you know, I'm not like the hugest Coil fan in the world, but, you know, I've loved their music since I started listening to Cool Music. Um, and it was like, oh, I'm really excited to check out this like rare, you know, Coil track. And it happened to be like my favorite dance floor record, you know, of for the past like five years and something that I like return to and play at like the peak moments when I want to, you know, bring the house down, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's beautiful. And, you know, like a moment like, okay, when I'm assuming it's John comes in and starts saying, do drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Do drugs. That's like, should be so wrong, but somehow that's just like exactly what the track needed, you know? Yep. The only vocals are like these like weird, like, uh, 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 you know, like weird kind of like non-language like sounds and then him saying do drugs genius i also love how it feels so casual like they just kind of whipped it together like in an evening when they were all doing drugs probably but it sounds so much better (laughs) than (laughs) you know people who have spent their career making dance music it's just it's Fucking you think it? You think it sounds like uh, just on the fly? Because well, to me, it sounds really like involved. Well, yeah. And I'm curious I, as to how like that came. I don't mean that it sounds amateur or that it sounds um, like poorly put together. It just sounds no. like, I guess, effortless is a better way of putting it. Maybe exactly. It does sound effortless for sure. Now it's going a completely different direction. to say about this uh i love that it has kind of like a it's got a real like halftime feeling to it like almost like a double time feeling like it's 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 a fucking jam are you are you saying that uh it it, it's begging to have a 200 bpm kick drum laid over it literally (laughs) i I can make that happen i'm i'm that's exactly what i'm saying (laughs) i love it um I i don't know i was doing this sounds really uh, sacrilegious, but um, 
I was doing some. Sometimes I find really cool music by browsing Spotify. Oh it's weird. shit! Yeah, because I have I have to make playlists uh, for restaurants sometimes. So, um, you know, there's only so much music that I know offhand. And then I go into radio and I sort of browse by the artist or the song. And then I pick up on things. And, you know, I found different compilations out there. And I'm like, oh, well, and I'm like, Soft Machine. I'm like, oh, I haven't heard this Soft Machine track, you know. Um, And, you know, Soft Machine is known for their Canterbury scene. Uh, Robert Wyatt, Kevin Ayers sort of like freak out free jazz experimental prog late 60s psych stuff jazz odyssey yeah i haven't really spent i didn't i haven't spent enough time with the with the song but i don't know if i share your enthusiasm (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, well it's not like it's not like a life-changing track it's just more of like what i want the soundtrack to my um tragic comedy yeah, to it, be you know, it, it feel it has like a taxi, like it feels like taxi. Bob James. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Angela theme from Taxi. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's 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 a pretty run of the mill fusion record. It's it's nothing yeah. remarkable. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. Uh, it's more remarkable contextually. Just like wait, wait, what? This is Soft Machine. It's probably what like about ninety BPM ish, give or take. Yeah, yeah. like that. I don't know. So I would probably play it with like uh, weird kind of down tempo shit, and later end up in the in the drum and bass zone because that's what I, <laughs> I like to do. I'm not sure if anyone likes that, but it's what I like to do. So, <clears throat> um, Knife Hand Chop is a dude from Toronto that was active uh, like early 2000s that I discovered uh, through my breakcore uh, days. He was kind of part of that breakcore scene. Um, but he, he was, was, yeah, he was definitely break core adjacent, as I he, said. Or, uh, yeah, exactly. A minute ago. Um, he was on this record label called Irritant. Do you know Irritant, Sean? Yeah, of course. It was a, a London-based mm-hmm. fanzine that put totally. out. Um, it was a zine that put out like a, a seven-inch or two. Yep, a like a whole bunch of seven inches, and then uh, a bunch of CDs. Yeah, and I, I had a couple of the CD comps, and uh, like the there was a ten inch on Irritant that I loved. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and at the time when I when it was when it was uh, when it was being released, I found it really endearing in a stupid way because a lot of Knife Hand Chop tracks are really stupid, like obviously stupid. They they've got lots of pop samples. They'll throw in like a gabber beat on top of a pop uh, song, and it's just like really dumb music in the way that uh, that uh, a lot of breakcore was. Yeah, but, but he's like particularly like t- both twee and kind of optimistic. It, yeah, right. It, it 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 has a certain feeling to it that I that I've always liked. And in the past couple years, I've been listening back to a lot of Knife Hand Chop. And being like, you know what? This is actually fucking sick. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that Scarborough track in particular is one that stands out to me as like, it has the elements of the typical knife hand shop where it's like, there's the chip tune kind of 8-bit feeling. There's the Dre and Snoop sample to lend it that sort of stupid pop hip hop cred. But really underneath it, it's 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 proto mashup kind of. What'd you say, Sean? 
it, it, it's a very like proto mashup ethos. Yeah, right, right, right. This but was like right, in a right before way. mashup culture like hit. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, I I just think it's a fucking banger. I just think it goes. has a sick beat, has a sick melody, and it's got Dre and Snoop on it. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's it works. My favorite knife hand shop track was the one, I think it was on the Irritant 10-inch. Uh, I think I think it was called Sun, uh, Sun Jammer's My Favorite Pokemon Sun Jammer's My Favorite Pokemon Trainer. That's a and that's, that's a song one with, title? That's Are a song serious? title. Yeah, well, welcome, that welcome to 2000. I was, 2000. Like, I was thinking like when I was listening to that, I was just don't feel like it like goes into the like it doesn't like go into like the legend of zelda realm far right, enough right. you know like it needs to go there <laughs> further yeah right it, to, it doesn't like it's like not that epic enough you know <laughs> oh like, yeah like, you're you're hard to please doug you've got <laughs> <laughs> he's a singular artist okay yeah i need more of that, yeah, you, you need yeah. more ocarina of time. Yeah, no. I, at, at some point, I realized that every little micro genre has some kind of re, you know, <laughs> reincarnation. Yeah, because yeah. after I in the last five years, I was like, wow, that came back. That crazy. <laughs> totally, totally. You know, like, but it makes sense because yeah. people are run, they run out of material and they just yeah just keep regret, going back and yeah, no, we're but we're back at trance, like like the the genre that no one thought would ever come back. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the kids love trance. Oh, my oh, yeah. the kids love trance. The kids love trance. It's For like real? the thing. It's the hottest music in, in, in 2019. It's, it's trance is now like deck mantle uh, mainstream underground festival circuit big. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love I love music. Trance is kind of like well, if you look if you look at the history of trance, it the 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 history of it is EBM. It's yes, new beat. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, like you, yeah, you went you went to new beat to hard beat. To, to Belgian hardcore, which, and then from Belgian hardcore is where you get like Gabber and stuff, but also where you get trans from. Yeah. You're, yep. Yep. That's true. It's, it's, it's very much, uh, it's, it's largely a, a like, you know, Central European kind of uh, music uh, historically. But it does, I think, ultimately also have its roots in Chicago, obviously, through EBM uh, and through Chicago House, I think, as well, in a, in a sort of slightly different way. But so, what, how does everybody feel about trans? Yeah or nay? I, I like think, it. I think there's really good trance oh. up until up until '93. But the, the stuff the kids are into now is terrible. This is just terrible music that I, no one should listen to. I don't know what it is now, but I'm I'm curious. But I think that also trance is a pretty broad. It's still a pretty broad term. Yeah, tr- and, uh, and like, that, uh, as is techno. Trance yeah, is a yeah, big yeah, genre. Totally. Yeah. Um, but I remember there being different flavors of it because Richie was putting out some trance stuff on Plus Eight. Yeah, you know, yeah, like some Speedy J, like that stuff was kind. Of, I remember him kind of introducing that language into the techno world. And then when I was living in San Francisco, maybe ten years later, I remember that on the other street, around the block from me, there were these weird kids that were making 
uh, pipes that you smoke weed out of, but they're the, the size, they're like credit card sized. They fit into a wallet and they designed this channel in it that looked like a snake and they talked about how they were inspired by aliens and stuff. <laughs> and, they, and they had a sound system. They had a sound system. Oh yeah, they were this also out. <laughs> they were also undetectable by metal detectors in airports. So these kids were really fascinating. Jesus. And, um, but they had a sound system and they would have they they were like, of "Oh, come did. come to our parties where we do trance." So I went to their parties and I was like, "This is really different from what I <laughs> learned about that was, you know, could be considered trance." Was this more like because like, like, even, like Psy Goa stuff? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. I yeah. think maybe it was the, it was proto Psy Goa because I was well, just, So this was like 95 or something Yeah, yeah, I because say. I was just listening to like Kenny Larkin tracks that were like trancey. And like, yeah, right. Rob Hood is pretty right, trans, right, you know. And then, yeah. and then, then I listened to what they were doing. I was like, "Whoa, this is completely different from yeah, yeah. other stuff," you know. Like, well, and, the, then it, and then it kept branching out. I, I, I know, think trans did right. So I, I'm interested to know what what now the today's definition is. It, 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 like, I think there's like it's the kids. The kids uh, are into like a lot of um, like more kind of progressive and some even side trance. Okay, it's like um, psytrance. Yeah. It's so there's, there's a lot of big buildups. There's a lot of big heavy, heavy melodies, kick, right? Big yeah, the big yeah. pitched kick drum, the do do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's so, it's yeah, great. I know what you're um, talking about. I know what you're talking about. And and it's it's with this weird mix of like irony and like uh, irony, earnesty, oh, yeah. and and, okay. and and just like deliberate, yeah. like willful ignorance. Yeah, just okay. kind of like I like this and fuck you. All right. Um. Is there any sampling in it, or is it like mostly synthesized? I'm well. I think all that stuff, all that trans Goa stuff, is like still going on in its like little thing. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's what. That's not the same shit that, like, whatever the fuck, cool, like, oh yeah, tra yeah, ta <laughs> right, right, trans yeah, like, kids like, are into, yeah, yeah, go, go, like, the real Goa, Goa shit, Goa inside still, trans still yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, like those scenes. That's some real corny shit with, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, those like, scenes still exist too, for yeah, sure, totally. And props to them for some really great graphic design happening in those. Oh yeah. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean that stuff stuff is still happening and it's all it all kind of ba basically doesn't sound any different from yeah, from what it did like, 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. In Israel or something like that. Oh, you yeah. Know? Okay, yeah. there we go. There we go. Let's go. Let's go. Right now. Goa. Let's go. The trance mandala. We need to look at uh, ourselves deeply and in, in, we need to go deep inside. <laughs> That was Basecamp Beta, brought to you from Control. Big thanks to our guest, Doug Lee. Surprise guest, John Santos. <laughs>